Hey, this is Rob, and this is episode 31 of the Folly Coffee Podcast. Let's get it brewing. So this was an awesome episode with my buddy Zach Lyman. He is a stand-up comedian. He has a really successful podcast. And so we go over his career as a stand-up comedian, how he got there, how he markets himself, podcasting tips. Really awesome episode from a really interesting guy. Enjoy. Right now. So we are now recording. Nice. So these episodes are like an hour long. And so I don't want this to be all about life during COVID because that sucks. And so what we're going to do is a little bit of Wayne's World. (laughs) And we're going to break this episode into three parts. Three 20-minute parts. The first 40 minutes, we're going to live in this blissful time where we didn't even know where the only thing we associated with Corona was a beer that you had to put a lime into. That's going to be the first 40 minutes. So the first 20 minutes is going to be from when we met up to that moment. So when I first met you in person, I should say, we were at Coffee Fest Nashville. Uh, I was considering, no, at that point, we Folly Coffee had started, and you were doing a presentation on social media. And that was the first time we'd met in person. So to me, you're this guy that somehow you work for Diedrich Roasters, Mm. the American-made roasting company. Uh, that yeah. makes actual coffee roasters and you're a stand-up comedian who also does their social media and you were making like all these videos that you were putting out for Diedrich. Yeah. So how do you go from first introduce yourself, I guess I should say how you got into stand-up comedy and uh-huh. how did that lead you working for a coffee roaster manufacturer doing their media? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm Zach Lyman. Uh, <laughs> everything he said about me is true. And uh, yeah, so I've been doing stand-up now for, I think I'm hitting, it's all blur, but I think I'm 12 years in right now. Um, so I, I, I've been doing it the entire time I've been a, a grown-up of any sort. And so um, I, I started doing stand-up and then I started learning marketing for my own comedy. Uh, so I was like, how do I get people to shows and making flyers? And then, and then right, like in my first early years of stand-up, Twitter started being a thing. And so then I'm like, how's Twitter work? And, and then it just grew from there, right? Like eventually just learning. And then um, there was a point where I started like watching and taking, like signing up for webinars and doing all this marketing stuff that I was watching my friends' companies spend a bunch of money on marketing and not get anything out of it. So I was like, how can I help them out, right? So that's like my first introduction was like helping random mom and pop shops in general. But uh, the key to this story is that uh, when I was 18, I think, when I was 18, I worked at a coffee shop and I was a barista and then I became a manager and then I was kind of like, just basically, there was a handful of us that basically ran the small shop, really. And um, that involved booking bands on weekends to play there. I started doing stand-up there for the first time ever. And so coffee and stand-up and marketing have just, in my life, been this thing that mixed together. And I've always really loved coffee. And then as my comedy career started taking off, and I started getting more, like, uh, like videos getting a lot of traction, I started having like 
other companies message me and be like, hey, can you do this for us? Or could you help us with this? And uh, and then it, it slowly, I got a couple opportunities to do like coffee related stuff. And I was like fully in because I'm like, this is like what I was hoping would happen is that I could work in the coffee world with marketing um, instead of just being a barista for so long. And um, so it, just one thing next to another and then uh, when you, when we met, like I basically, I, I worked at Dietrich for, I don't know, like three years or so, maybe four ish. And, um, in that time it was like, I started running their Instagram first. They were just paying me as a freelancer. They really liked me running their Instagram. And then they, uh, brought me on to be the marketing director. So like all that just kind of, ha it just happened. Like it was like, I just happened to meet the CEO and he just happened to like me. And then he was just like, I don't even think he really had a job in mind for me. He was just like, I, I like having you around. Could you run, could you help with the social media? And I was like, yeah, that's like in my realm. And then it just evolved into like, yeah, you just, just also do this, also do this. And then I got like an official marketing director title later, but um, yeah, that's all how it just basically came together. So when you, when you were 18 working in this coffee shop, mm -hmm. were you doing stand-up at that time? Were you interested in stand-up or was it kind of, uh, you, you were just into coffee and marketing and stand-up came later? No, I was, so I was, when I was in high school, I was making like s sketches with my friends and recording them. And then I started working at a coffee shop and I always loved stand-up, but I didn't do it yet. And um, when I was working there, they had like bands every weekend and then during the week, they wanted to have like an open mic of like a variety show of all sorts. And so they actually asked me to host it. And they were like, yeah, like write some jokes or something. And so it was kind of like the first time I was like pushed into doing stand up. And I just loved it so much that I was just like, yeah, let me let me just keep doing this. So I actually started doing a weekly show there. And then I was doing a weekly show. And then I started branching out to like other coffee shops because I was so young that I couldn't get into like comedy clubs or anything else. So it was like, I was working the coffee club circuit in Phoenix. Uh, so Phoenix, is that where you're, is that where you're originally from? Mostly. Yeah. I, I, uh, I was born in South Dakota and I lived in South Dakota until I was 10. And then I moved to Phoenix for like most of my life. So, yeah. Gotcha. And so uh, if I'm not mistaken, Diedrich's based out of Idaho. Yeah. Yeah. They're in Sandpoint, Idaho. That's basically Canada. Yeah, and so when you were working there, were you working remotely most of the time? Because I remember you doing videos at the factory. So when you were working for them, how did that work with your stand-up? Were you touring a lot or how were you able to manage that process? Yeah, it was my first year there. I was still doing freelance for like odds and ends because um, when I first started there, like I just started getting like uh, pretty like doing okay with stand-up of like actually getting booked pretty you know regularly and stuff um you know to, uh, which can stand up such a long process so yeah, how, how many I, years into it did it take for you to start getting booked um so pretty early I started booking myself a lot like I said mm -hmm. like the coffee shops and stuff and then like booking like random one night bars but when uh it, it took uh probably eight years until someone was like uh like wanting to book me you know like yeah. <laughs> where and they're like reaching out to me being like yeah, we want you to come. And I'm like, are you sure? Is this the wrong email? Like, <laughs> you know? And so where, where, where was that? Where was the first people to reach out to you eight years into it? Oh, man. Um, 
I couldn't even tell you because it was just so such a such a mix, man. Uh, all over the place. It's all a blur at this point. Um, so during those eight years, are you touring? Are you traveling? Or are you stay? Are you like based solely in Phoenix and just doing as many spots as you can in Phoenix? Um, every for the most for mostly every year, I would put together like a a tour, and that might be me just doing a couple bars in the middle of Nebraska or something, or that might be, you know, me traveling to California and then doing shows all the way back to Phoenix, something like that. So every year I kind of like booked a row of things. And then in the last like three years, I've really like grown that to like, kind of like be, you know, like this year uh, was going to be like a three month tour and it was like going to be, but every, every year it just gets a little bit more detailed and a little bit longer and a little more growth. So when I started working at uh, Dietrich, I was like doing some road gigs and then I, my first year at Dietrich, I was uh, basically freelance. So I was just working from Phoenix mm. and then they were, they were trying to like coax me into moving up there. So uh, yeah, my first year I was just basically half, half that and half stand up. So mm-hmm. yeah. And what changes in those eight years? Cause it's, that is a really long time. Yeah, And stand-up is something that when you look at it and you watch someone who's really good at it, it can be really deceiving because you're like, oh, that person's just talking. I could totally do that. And that, or you look at that person and say, that doesn't take practice. That person's just good at talking. They're good at jokes. What is yeah. it? If you were to look back when you first started, when you first started, did you think you were good? Like, were you like, man, I'm about to kill it the second I get on stage? Yeah, there was, uh, I think there's a little bit of delusion that has to happen. You know, you have to be like, uh you know where you're like i'm okay you know like i remember doing that a lot where i'm like i'm doing just fine Mm -hmm. you know and now i look back at what what was okay then and i'm like that's so cringy like not even not even good at all you know and uh not only like in eight years you gotta like remember the style of comedy has changed the style of stand-up has changed the stand-up world has changed when i started the uh stand-up was still like dead at the time like no one was really interested in it and netflix wasn't around yet um so it was very oh, like it's crazy to uh, think you know, yeah like so like in that eight years it's like uh i remember when i started i was not only young but everyone that was that i was at open mics with and stuff would be like 40 years old and they were around like in the 90s or so what's the deal with that <laughs> yeah and, and and then they're just looking at me and i'm not i'm not doing good comedy but also they're not helping me and there's such an age gap and then I remember the turning point of around six to seven years in all of a sudden people that that were like my age started like showing up because it started becoming like popular and you know there started being like Netflix specials and stuff and people being like I could probably do that um so yeah there was like a long time where it's just kind of like uh, I didn't have any any guidance. I didn't have any anyone to lean on in a lot of ways. So uh, in that eight years, it was a lot of like self growth and like trying to figure things out and taking different plans, and then also just like growing up. And so it's just like stuff that made me laugh when I'm twenty doesn't make me laugh now. You know, like that yeah. more immature. Like I remember doing like shock humor and being more like gross on stage, and now I'm like way more like family friendly in a lot of ways you know like i'm very like it's just kind of like i'm like uh i think you get like jaded to go it because like 
you know, I've been to, I've watched thousands of hours of open mic comedy. And so you're just kind of like, I don't want to do a joke like that, you know? Um, and it's, it's, it's like, it's so easy to engage with content now that shock value is a difficult lane to take because yeah. you can look up a YouTube video and find the most crazy stuff. And then if you hop over to Twitter where they don't regulate anything, you're like, all yeah. right, if I'm going to be the shock value guy, at, there's no stopping it. You, you have to outdo yourself every time and you end up on this path where you're just like, okay, we get it. You're saying vulgar stuff. Yeah. And it's also like, you know, when you're, when you're young, it, 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 to me at least, it was very much like, oh, I'm, I'm getting away with this. You know, my yeah. parents would have never let me say, this, you know, <laughs> these swear words on stage, you know, like what I, <laughs> whatever I thought vulgar was at the time. But um, so, so without a huge yeah. stand up scene and without really like close mentorship during this whole thing how do you determine where to go with your comedy how do you determine what's working and what's not uh with yeah. with your with your, with your set so i um the end of last end of last year i started writing uh like an ebook that's called like 11 years of mistakes and uh it's because that's that's literally like now my friends that are like uh around me and i like anytime like anytime someone comes to me for advice about comedy it's a lot of times me being like oh don't do that because this is how it turned out or like you know it's a lot of like trial and error and being like oh yeah that's how you don't get booked again or that's like like you don't realize these small nuances that are happening in comedy because like stand-up is like 20 percent about being funny and the rest of it is like showing up to the club and being nice and like or whatever venue you're booked at being nice like being on time doing your job like you know you're being paid to do a job and just like all these other little things that are kind of very businessy that you don't even think about because you're like i'm just here to be funny and, and when you, like, yeah, when you wanna, look at the business yeah. of stand-up i mean really it's it's a form of entertainment and so I would imagine most clubs, probably the owner has some passion behind stand-up, but there are probably some that are like, I want to make money with a bar. What's my shtick? Oh, yeah. we'll do comedy. Uh, and you just, all I need you to do is sell beer and fries. I just need you to make sure that the crowd is buying beer and fries while they're here. Yeah. 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 Or like, you know, they, they've grown to a point where they need to hire managers and bookers and stuff. And maybe those people aren't really comedy people they're there yeah. to be a manager booker you know whatever and so yeah it, it comes down to like and then also they're dealing with comics constantly you know so that it's so they become jaded where they're like yeah you're all funny sure you're all <laughs> funny but can you fill my seats can you sell the tickets can you be nice to me can you show up on time can you call me back like just these little things you know because you know, there's just there's so many comics now where it's like like if you're not great to work with you're easy to replace because someone else will just take that gig you know yeah and and so you alluded to earlier that you're like i started to learn how to market myself and so it is mm -hmm. interesting to think of stand-up comedy is extremely entrepreneurial in that sense that you are kind of your own manager you're you're booking gigs you have to market yourself how what are what are things that you've learned along the way that work for you as you're as you're kind of building a little bit of a following? What helped you grow your following? What's your major forms of marketing? What, what what's been mm -hmm. most effective for you? Yeah, so I really saw uh, a few things that stick out in my mind is like when it comes to like live events, is um, 
knowing how to write the email to a club and sounding like you're actually a professional comedian and uh, giving them all the info they need right away instead of just a blank email that's just like, hey, I want to work there. And they're like, okay, when, why, how? Like all these questions they're going to have, they don't have time for. So if you can just build it out in like an email template where it's like, here's my bio, here's a short joke uh, that I've done to show you that I'm funny, and here's my available dates, and uh, this is like the usual kind of clubs I book or, you know, sides of venues I book. Like just kind of like thinking of like trying to be helpful for them to make it easy for them to book you is like a big thing that took me way too long to figure out. Um, That's gotta be so challenging over email to be like, I'm funny. See, like, look, look, here's, yeah. this is funny. Like, with no context, there's no, there's no, there's, you're not saying it, you're reading it. And so you could read it in any variety of ways. There's some jokes that if you read it, you go, that's not funny at all. But then you see yeah. a certain person tell it in a certain way and you go, that's the funniest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, so you, it's like, uh, and then, and then the, I was just at a, uh, event where they had a bunch of comedy club bookers on stage answering these questions about booking and it's crazy how different they all want their email every single one of them has different things that they do or do not want they don't want a 20-minute video they do want a 20-minute video they don't want a video included they want a headshot they don't want a headshot they want your availables they don't want your fails so it's a very important like that's to another answer to your question is realizing how valuable your fellow comedians are if mm. they've performed at that venue like how did they get that booking does that guy like the guy that books it does he like getting the video does he not like the video you know just kind of understanding that that uh was a big part of me uh kind of growing as a comedian and getting the right bookings and then an another thing that i've been talking about a lot lately with people is uh um, I'm big into the idea that if I don't vibe with a booker or like a club or a venue, I don't, I don't need it because it's it, like right away you're building a relationship and I want to come back. Uh, I had a phone call last year when I was putting this year's tour together and on the phone, I called the, uh, I called the comedy club uh, of a sorts. I called it a venue and he got really mad that I called it a venue and uh, he didn't like that word. And I was just like, yeah, you know what? And I just like, right, right after he kind of like yelled at me, I, I was just What like, did he yell at you for though? Because <laughs> I said venue and I didn't call it a Why comedy. doesn't he like the word venue? I don't know. But that, exactly. I would think it would be like, the opposite where if you're like, yeah, you're a bar. Or like, oh, you're. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, and, uh, uh, and I just immediately was like, yeah, if we're two minutes into this phone call and you're mad at me, I'm like you're right. I'm going to go somewhere else. And he's like, thank you. And he was just kind of like, Oh, all right. And I was just like, yep. <laughs> and I just moved yeah. on and called another place in the same city that was like down the street. And they were like, fine with me calling it a venue. So I was like, yeah, yeah let's work there. <laughs> That's it's, it's, it's an interesting way to look at it long-term too, because mm -hmm. short term. Yeah. You could deal with one weekend of probably a miserable experience. And I actually look at customers the same way that I go, it's difficult to have a customer that you don't vibe with because yeah, it's not going to work out long-term. And if it does work out, it's because you're just sitting there taking it and just like, it's, it's yes. not a good experience. And so even though it might be valuable in the short term and it might seem like a, a logical choice, because 
why would it not be logical to take a gig if you can get it or right. get a customer if you can get a new customer? But it's like, if you don't get along with that person, if your values and stuff don't align or just, mm-hmm. like you said, if you don't vibe, it's going to be miserable. And so, yeah. Yeah, I learned that from doing freelance marketing was just kind of like, because you're constantly, every week you have a new boss, you know? And so I was learning quickly to start saying yes and no to projects that were right, you know, of being like immediately when they're like really being on me about this little detail. And I'm like, yeah, I, uh, I'm not going to, I'm already, I'm not meeting your standards that I'm not going to ever meet your standards. So I, I don't yeah. think we're going to work together, you know? Yeah, yeah I, I say these, I, I obviously you can tell how I think that it's like, I keep tying it back to business, but I'm the exact same way when somebody's super price sensitive about coffee. Yes. If their first question is, can you do better on price? Or they don't get why it's priced higher. Mm-hmm. I am very, I'm usually very clear. That's like, Hey, if price is your number one concern, we should not work together. Our coffee will never be the best price because we're doing higher quality stuff. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure there's some comparison. I'll try to stop pulling it back to business, but that's it. No, you're, you're 100% right. You're 100% right. Because in, in their mind, like like to pull back into a venue, in their mind, they're getting these calls every day, all day, yeah. nonstop, right? And um, and I'm like, yeah, you're right. Like, I'm sure someone would be happy to do the whole weekend if you just gave them free hot dogs. I'm positive. <laughs> because I've been there. I've been that guy that did a whole weekend and got paid in free food, you know, <laughs> but like, I, I've been doing this long enough now where I'm like, I need a little more than just free food, you know? And uh, so we're, yeah, we're just not going to meet on this. <laughs> Zach is well versed in the dollar to hot dog currency <laughs> ratio or whatever you call it. The, uh, what do you call it when you come from a different country? The uh, exchange rate. The exchange rate, the hot dog to dollar exchange rate. Very well versed in that. Mm-hmm. I so, will. Don't get me wrong, though. I to this day, if you offer me some free food, I I think about it and I I go, how far away is that from where I'm living right now, and how like, I I not that long ago I did a are there uh, appetizers I, involved? I did a gig and they gave me free nachos and I was like, <laughs> you know what? I was hungry when you called. Nope. So <laughs> nope. this is an overall win. <laughs> so I meet you in was it it was nashville what no no was that denver that was the cold brew was that the cold brew competition that was denver i went was it denver yeah i went to nashville like four years ago for coffee fest and i think we were in denver for the one that we met at Um, okay so at that point i was gonna say denver or seattle those were my favorite it was denver for sure i was at nashville a couple years before that and that's where you did the social media presentation so at that point uh you were doing stand-up you were working for diedrich I remember yeah. you telling a story about a tweet you had that really put you on the spot or like you had one in particular that went like way more, like definitely went viral early on in your Twitter career. I had, um, I had like uh, 10 second jokes that I was doing that kind yeah. of like took off on Instagram and it was like, I was doing like hashtag 10 second jokes and they're like all still up. I did like over a hundred of them. Um, but it was like, that's, that was like a real turning point was like, I, I, uh, I was in a long-term relationship. I got out of the relationship and I moved back to Phoenix because I was living in Louisville, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I moved back to Phoenix, didn't have anything going on. I didn't have a job. I didn't have any bookings I had to fulfill. Like I was just starting over. And uh, so I decided to do like basically a joke a day was my idea where I was like, because I started doing them 
where I was, I was tweeting it. And then I was like, I was thinking of these ideas when I was driving and I was like, oh, I can't be tweeting and driving, but you know, what I could do is I can hit record and not even look at the camera or anything, but just have like almost the audio. And maybe if I have any visual things that need, so it was kind of like a, a note taking process that turned into, oh, I could just post these like set up punchlines and then later develop them into like longer jokes. And so that's all it was, was like every time I had like a joke idea, just set a punchline. And I didn't like know, I had like no followers on Instagram. So it's not like I'm rooting any fan base by releasing bad jokes. Like everyone's like, it's all just people from high school following me. So, um, but like, I just, I had one that like got really lucky that like got a lot of views and shares and, and like tags and stuff like that. And then, uh, and then it was like, I was still doing it. So what was happening for like, I was doing it every day and what was happening is like, I'd have one that would like really get a lot of views and then like a bunch of them that got like no views. And then like one that got like a good amount of views. And uh, that's how I like, I got my Instagram following started. And then it kind of like made me real, I was like, oh, okay. And I was like learning from it. And I was learning more about hashtags as I was doing it. And I was like really understanding the algorithm at the time and like what they wanted and like how things were working and it just like it was the perfect time for instagram uh at that point where it was just like everyone was like you, they saw one video of you and they're like yeah i'm gonna follow that dude you know like yeah. just it, it was like a it was easier to get followers back then and it just kind of like grew it really quickly so yeah, yeah. and it, it's it's interesting taking that format of just frequency over i don't want to say quality but really like yeah. instead instead of developing a joke into a five minute set and posting the five minute set that's really polished and clean. Yeah. The, the shorter attention span, the shorter format and the daily checking of Instagram, they're like, Hey, if I haven't heard from you in a week, I forgot about you. But yeah, just posting one every day and they probably knew what they were getting into by following you at that point, because you're going to post a joke a day for X amount of time to kind of build a following yeah. that way 100% like and that's like uh comics especially back like a while back like when YouTube started becoming big and stuff a lot of comics had a fear of putting any of their jokes on the internet yeah. because uh you know it gets stolen which is it still does like tons of jokes get stolen all the time um, jokes get stolen and then if that's a part of your like set that you're going to perform that if someone watches a video of you before seeing you perform yeah. comedy is one of the weird things where it's like hey i already heard you tell that one this yeah, is 100 percent. it's it's a, <laughs> in a weird way i was thinking about this the other day stand-up is similar to wrestling in a way that the stand-up comic is performing it so well that the audience is like this is the first he really did just think of that well yeah. sometimes that's true there's crowd yeah. work and all that spontaneous stuff but most of it is like this joke has been told hundreds of times to polish it down, but the audience wants to believe that, wow, they just came up with that. And this, and he really is laughing at that for the first time ever in the same way that WWE people are like, wow, they really do hate each other. Yeah. A hundred percent. And that's, uh, uh, you know, I would get messages from my friends where they're like, they would call it like burning material where they're like, you're just yeah. burning material so quickly. And I was like, I'm not really worried about it getting stolen First off, some of them were bad and I knew it, you know, where I was just kind of like, this is just what I got today, guys, you know, and, uh, uh, but I was okay with it because I was like, I'm creating content at another level 
That's insane. That if you did steal that joke, I've already, by the time you stole it and perfected it, I've already had like 20 new jokes. And it was like this time in my life that I like literally had nothing else going on. So I'm like, I'm making more material than anyone. And you're so, like, burning it for who? Because that's kind of the... Yeah, I, yeah. I had the same process when I was growing the Folly Instagram as I was like, and I still have this challenge of I go I don't want to get too far away from coffee I don't want it to just be funny entertaining content I don't just want to be messing around and have it be yeah. funny all the time because hey I'm also trying to get you to remember that our coffee is awesome this is really what we're in it for uh but then I was like but like who am I worried about forgetting about the coffee if we don't have anybody following it in the first place yeah, and that's, yeah that's, exactly. that's what happened on TikTok too which I am probably on <laughs> <laughs> I was messing around and messing around and then a few popped off. I'm like, oh, 15 yeah. followers still isn't yeah, enough to not keep messing around. But I was like, I'm going to keep messing around if people are following for that. And then someday pivot and go, oh, yeah, by the way, the copy we roast is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, which is um, I can name so many coffee companies that have that exact approach where it's like, oh, right, they do coffee. I forgot. But yeah. They have millions of followers, and it's yeah. like, that's okay. That's and that's okay what I struggle with is because when you look at it, the, the copy companies that are known for that, like your Death Wish, your Black Rifle copy company, mm -hmm. where it's, just, yeah. it's all engaging content, but you're like, you know nothing about their copy. I worry about that, but when you're a comedian, yeah, you, growing your following on being funny is literally what you – that is your product. Yeah, and so also – I don't see I don't see any downside. Let's say tomorrow you guys had two million followers on Instagram and it's because of your funny videos. I don't see a single problem with that. Because every time you go, Hey, I have a new coffee out, they like you and they bought into you and they're gonna buy that because of you, right? So it like has nothing to do like it's just you know like uh my favorite example that i always give is like no one wakes up in the morning and goes oh man what did target post today <laughs> you know like, we don't know that's, that's a business that has a big following because we know what target is uh and, and you you see yeah. that's a really interesting point because you see that with large companies they get this corporate voice where all of a sudden uh, all their content's the same they're the the captions don't sound like a human they don't mm -hmm. sound like anyone you've ever heard talk but for some reason that's what we have to do because it's incredibly safe but the people yeah. you follow because you want to that is it's like these companies have a following because it pops up and you're like oh yeah i, I should follow them because yeah and that's that's exactly why i uh I've, I've turned down so many corporate jobs in marketing is because uh i lot like that's the first thing i'm like i look at their instagram and i look at their voice and I go, oh, I'm the wrong person. If you don't want a personality of any sort, you just want this vague voice that knows how to hit the hashtags right, I'm not, I'm not at all the right person. Yeah, because I'm definitely, uh, I'm a weird human being as general, and that's how I come up with these ideas and how I come up with weird marketing schemes of like, how can I build it all back to this thing and sell and connect all the dots, you know? And uh, that's that you're hiring that you're not if you just want someone that can create and push buttons you can there's tons of those people out there and, and they can do that for you so and so during this time that at, at Diedrich where you're also getting how often 
this is still the pre-COVID world here. Mm-hmm. What's the average week look like? How many gigs are you doing? Uh, how, how long are the sets that you're doing? What, what, what does that look like? Um, in the time that I worked at Dietrich, sometimes it was crazy. Uh, like I was just telling a story the other day because we have Coffee Fest coming up in August, right? So there's two Coffee Fests in August because of all this. And um, so I, I was trying to remember the last time I kind of like did something like that where I like I drove across the country for multiple things and did it all in one, one line. And I remember working at Dietrich and going to like a coffee fest, uh, like maybe it was like a chocolate festival and then maybe like some other coffee thing. And then in between those, I had like a couple comedy gigs. And I remember my friends stayed at my place and I let them just, I just gave them my car and he just like lived at my place for like over a month and I just wasn't there. It was just like I was gone for like a month and a half or two months or something. And I remember there's like pinpoints of just like, um, and I also just like, uh, I like every once in a while I look through all my uh, saved like tickets on my phone for flights and just like looking at all of my, I remember you know, flights because like that's, you know, <laughs> it was a good time. Those were cool. <laughs> But, like, uh, yeah, I always try to, like, plan, like, a coffee fest with some comedy gigs or, like, uh, all tie it together. So there was moments where I was, like, doing tons of gigs on the road. And then there was times that I was, like, kind of just sitting back at the office. And I kind of timed it where I'd, like, fill up my schedule months in advance. And then that way I could, like, be at the office, film all those videos in the warehouse, film all the in the factory, and just kind of, like build up all this content and then be slowly releasing it as I'm like on the road doing comedy gigs. Yeah. And, um, the CEO, um, at the time he, he was like, he was great, you know? So he was like, he loved everything I did and he just wanted me to be happy. And he was like, you're doing a great job here. If you need to, anytime you need to take a gig, just take the gig. And, uh, so that we, I built like a nice relationship where like, if I got a last minute gig, in like utah i could just like be like yeah i'm going to utah tomorrow and just go there mm-hmm. and you know work from a laptop or whatever or maybe move some meetings around but yeah uh just yeah it was a it was a chaotic <laughs> time <laughs> yeah and, and so what what uh how did your partnership or employment with diedrich end and what is, what did it look like after that time um yeah so uh actually one of the reasons I left was um, towards my last year there, uh, I started getting really sick. And I started uh, uh, actually um, just like sick all the time. And then I was like out sick for like two months towards the end there. And I became, I stepped down of marketing director and then I started doing freelance work for them. And, um, and then it came to a point where um uh, I was like, you know what, this isn't even, I was like so sick and still healing. And I was just like, you know what, I think I'm just going to not work for a minute and then maybe do stand up, maybe focus on that. But um, yeah, I actually ended up getting diagnosed with a uh, liver disease. And wow. uh, so like I went through that all basically last year, I went through all that of just kind of like healing and getting back to like a normal lifestyle um, in, in a lot of ways. And uh, yeah, so like, I, I I left on great terms and uh, I enjoyed my time there and they were extremely kind to just like 
be like, yeah, your health is important. Yeah. You know, we, we want you to like, and basically when I became a freelancer, it was like, I was kind of like finishing up a lot of projects that I had started and kind of like doing some things here and there. And it was very much like, they were very happy to be like, yeah, if you want to do more or you want to do less, like whatever you need. Um, so yeah, that was my, like my last like six months there. And, uh, it was, it was great. It was, it was, it was very kind of them to let me do that. And then just kind of like step away and just be like, yeah, I think I'm good. So. Yeah, and so when you're recovering, yeah. Do you have a plan that, Hey, once I'm healthy, I know what I want to do again. Or at that point, was it so uncertain what the future looked like? You're kind of just taking it week by week. Yeah. Yeah. It was very like, uh, like when I left there, I was like, I don't, I don't have a plan. And I was like, maybe I'll come back. You know, like I really was like, I don't know. And I was being honest with them when I was like leaving where I was like, maybe, I don't know. And then, uh, uh, and there was like months of me just kind of like getting to a normal lifestyle. So I wasn't even really doing stand up at first. I was just kind of like being a couch potato and healing and eating right and trying to like just get refocused and, uh, and seeing like doctors and stuff like that. And, uh, it, it was very much like, uh, I don't really think I had a plan until the end of last year. I think it took the whole year to kind of be like, Oh, I think this is where I, I want to be. So it shows a really good time to put a plan into place too. 2020 has <laughs> been dope. So you just were like, all right, I've got a plan 2020. This is my year, baby. This is the, yeah. this is the big rebound. This is the big comeback. So, so yeah. 2020 comes along. We're January, 2020. What, what's the, What's your plan where you're like, I've got a plan in place. What does that look like for you? Yeah. yeah. So, um, all of last year, since I had, since I had no job or anything like that, what I could easily do is write. So the whole year I was writing a new hour. And so all last year, all I did was go to open mics and like, I tried not to like, I did, I did some gigs and I did bookings and stuff like that. But like, mostly I was just like, I don't really want to get, paid right now i just want to like do only new and work on a new hour and then in 2020 i'll do like the biggest tour i've ever done right so (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so all last year i wrote a new hour and then i also wrote that ebook and i was just kind of like i want to make content again and i just kind of want to like be building in a new way and just become a way better comedian because i have the time to focus on it so I was doing that. So I was working on writing the new hour. I finished the new hour. And then this year, uh, like leading up to COVID, I was kind of like, uh, uh, just like perfecting the hour. Like I just got, I was like, the hour's done. Now I'm perfecting it to take it on the road. And then I was going to do a three month tour. And then at the end of the tour, one of the last tour dates, maybe a couple of the tour dates, I was going to film the whole hour. And then I was going to try to sell it. And if I didn't sell it to anyone, then I was going to put it online. And uh, Schultz style. Yeah. 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 And put it online and whatever sort of way, but at least I have this hour perfectly filmed how I want. Um, That was the, that was the, the kind of goal and training that I went through. So, yeah. And so at what point in your plan did all of this awesomeness hit oh so uh everything closed the uh first week of my tour so uh so i was about to when when i started hearing about all this 
I was just about to post all the like the flyer that has all the tour dates on it. Yeah. And then I was going to go do those tour dates. You know, I was going to like just do like a big release of like, guys, I'm coming. Here's all these crazy cities I'm coming to. And um, and then also like I was still kind of finishing some of the dates at the end of the tour because it's like three months, you know. So I'm kind of like closing some things still. And uh, and then when everything shut down, was literally like I was supposed to be in like Texas, like the beginning of my tour because my tour was going to start in Texas, go through Phoenix, up California, all the way up the coast, over to like Chicago. The biggest and then tour of down. your life. Yeah, yeah, just a whole giant loop of the U.S. Unbelievable. And, uh, so you go literally through, the start of it. <laughs> you go through liver disease. You nurture yourself back to health. You're writing the entire time. You're planning, and that's it's a it's a that's a hard thing too. Is to during that time be like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit the ground running when I come back because it'd probably be really easy to be like, this sucks. What am I even doing? Like. I have yeah. to imagine it would be very easy to let the negativity of everything get you through at, at that time. And so yeah. how, how has this been? What, what is a stand-up's <laughs> life in COVID? Because it's, you can't do it at all. And I know there's like, you can film content and everything, but stand-up comedy is not something that you can record yeah. a video. And it's half the thing is that you're kind of like a part of the crowd, or even when you're watching on Netflix, it wouldn't work if there's no crowd. Right. Yeah. It'd yeah. just be like a weird one person performance where it's a podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a podcast I, by I, yourself. And we haven't even mentioned that at this point. You you do have your podcast. And so yeah. how long have you how long have you been doing that? Oh, on and off for years, man. I I've had that podcast. I think I looked up the first date when I started it. It was like 2015 or something. Some like something like that, 14, 15, I got into podcasting and it was very much, um, I wanted to give advice to comics as I was like figuring things out and kind of document. Yeah. Like, like I think the first episode ever is about, it's probably bad advice now because it's five years old. Probably doesn't yeah. relate to anything, but it was like how to book a tour and like things that I kind of, and it, I, re I remember recording that the week I got home from a tour. So I was like, it was very fresh. And I remember yeah. like being like a young comic being like, this is how I did it, you know? And, uh, have uh, you ever gone back, listened to an episode and like re-recorded of here's fact checking my old episode. Every day I think about deleting most of them. No, you know what you should do? You, you know what you should do is you should delete the original episode, but what you should do is like Twitch gamer style, or you know how people do like reaction videos. Yeah. You should do a reaction video where it's you now in a small screen in the corner. Do, do you audio record all of yours? It's only audio, yeah. Okay, so it's only audio. So maybe, just, maybe it's an audio thing where you have some sort of indication that this is current you talking now and you listen yeah. to it and just pause along the way and be like, terrible advice, don't do that, here's why. And that mm -hmm. would be so funny because I think at any given time people go, I am positive this is right. I am so yeah. positive this advice I'm giving right now is the ultimate answer. It would yeah. be really interesting to hear somebody just crap all over themselves and be like, that was terrible. Whoever was saying this was an idiot. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like, uh, it's like how I, at Coffee Fest, right? Like I speak about marketing and then people, like every 
you know, I've been doing it for a while now. So people will like raise their hand. I like doing a cute hand at the end and people will raise their hand and be like, no, last time you said this. And I'm like, yeah, that maybe that's how it worked a year ago. Yeah. And maybe I was right a year now ago. Now the algorithm changes, people's yeah. views change, the audience changes and just that would be, yeah. that'd be pretty funny. Yeah. And so the, it's like, especially in the comedy world. I, I imagine if I went back and listened to any of those where I'm saying this is how it worked, I'm sure that at times I would be like, yeah, that maybe worked, but at the same time, did I get rebooked? Did I go back to that venue? Did this happen again? Or like, you know, like, like kind of follow up of like, uh, yeah, but is <laughs> just, it sustainable? Or just start a whole series of, of Zach crapping on himself about everything. <laughs> <laughs> That you found yourself in such a deep, dark place in quarantine. You're like, so I've decided to look back on my life at how terrible I am. <laughs> and then five years from now, you go back to this Zach and be like, that guy uh, has no idea what he's talking about. Yeah. Oh, man. So are you hearing anything in Air? What's the st uh, state of Arizona during all of this? Have, is there any sort of clue of when things are opening back up? Are things starting to open back up? Things are, uh, yeah, it's really mixed here. Um, it, you know, it, there's a lot of places opening up and things are just now opening up and people are starting to like be able to go sit and have dinner and stuff. But it seems like a lot of people are still like pulling back and not, um, not going. Um, but that's like in my circle of like what I know, uh, because I, I purposely, uh, I'm not reading anything and I'm not really paying super close attention because I, I plan on just kind of uh, hibernating for a little bit more and, and yeah. just kind of like seeing how the cards play out. So, yeah, it's, it's really weird in Minnesota. They just did the announcement this week. The governor did. And yeah, it's really strange. Obviously I'm hyper-focused on like the restaurant cafe world yeah, of course. For, for coffee. Yeah. And they just announced that it's, they are opening restaurants back up for the first time since March 16th, but outdoor seating only. And tables have to be six feet apart. And you're like, we're in Minnesota. How many places have outdoor seating to begin with? Yeah. And then if you're only outdoor seating, how many tables do you really have outside if you're a Minnesota how much, restaurant? How much patio do you really have? Like, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It, it's, and so people are like, do, can I have my parking lot? Can I put tables in my park? And so it's, it's really good. Yeah. And then the Twin Cities, uh, Minneapolis and St. Paul, are right on the border of Wisconsin. And Wisconsin's across the border be like, we don't care. This, yeah, everything's open. And so now you're just having people go across the border to Wisconsin, and it's 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 real weird. But we're yeah, in phase man. three, which is like partial opening of restaurants. Phase four is apparently when things open up, and then the last phase is events and venues where you can have more than ten people or fifty people in a space or something. Right. Like that. Yeah. Like I'm starting to get right. Like this week, I've been getting asked to do live shows but they're also being like like they're for like next month and stuff yeah. and they're they're also like let's let's go on a handshake and then we'll see well, no let's get, we'll, we'll we'll go on a wave from six feet apart uh yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah it, it'll yeah. be it, it, it's it'll be very interesting to see how people respond in general when things do open back up yeah but yeah, yeah. Com comedy is something that it's not your essential thing, but you start mm -hmm. to realize when you're shut in 
the things that you're just like, yeah, that's just something that exists and it always will and nothing will ever compromise that. We'll always be able to go where we want and do what we want, see and laugh and have fun yeah. and watch. And I think comedy will be an interesting one. I, what I hope happens is that this swing of, because I think before all this, very, very PC things were becoming like a bigger and bigger deal and then this hits and you start to realize that, oh, things that I used to think were a bigger deal, I'm now just like, I just so badly want to hang out with a group of friends in a place. Like, yeah. that's, all, that's all I want to do. That's all I care about right now. It, uh, and so hopefully so, with comedy, it will kind of swing that way too, that people so are many, be so So many messages. Yeah, so many messages of comics and I talking about, uh, man, don't you miss just sitting at a, a shitty bar telling jokes? You know, yeah. like... Don't you miss just like the the hearing a, a bad comedian on stage? <laughs> Don't you like just all that? You're sitting, there, sitting there, not laughing, but like a, a single happy tear in your eye. You're like, this comedian's so bad. Yeah, and I'm so. I'm not referring to you, by the way. I'm talking about a bad comedian <laughs> in this situation, but just like they're not good, and I I couldn't be happier to be here it, yeah. witnessing this terrible thing. Yeah, yeah, and it's like I get you. You're right. I do. Uh, because especially right before all this happened, uh, was the busiest I've ever been as of like, uh, like I said, I wasn't trying to go on tour. Like I was going on tour, but I wasn't trying to like do a lot of paid gigs before the tour. Mm -hmm. So I was literally going to like maybe one or two open mic literally every night, sometimes more. And then also doing like, maybe I have a Phoenix booked gig and then I'm doing open mics after that. Like I was just... I was saying yes to everything because I wanted to get really tuned for the tour. Um, so it was, it was extremely weird to go from hanging out in like grungy venues and bars and uh, restaurants and then all of a sudden not doing any of it. That was a very, it was like a sudden change for me. So, yeah. So, so to kind of wrap up this episode, I, I kind of want to dig a little bit more into social media because I think you're really good at it. Uh, so since you're, uh, joke a day, 10 second jokes, yeah. what are other, what are other things that have really popped for you or other strategies that are not necessarily intuitive that people don't go, yeah, of course we want to do that. What are other things that have worked for you in marketing yourself or just mm. videos or Twitter? Do you have, uh, do you have a social media platform that you consider kind of your go-to? Is it Twitter? Um, Instagram was my go-to and I say that with a little hesitation because uh, you and I are both seeing what Instagram was years ago happening with TikTok. Yeah. And uh, how it's just kind of like, I have friends, I have comedian friends that started TikTok weeks ago and now they have 80,000 followers. So they're it's, like, they're like I, don't know, I don't even know how it works. So I'm a little hesitant, but my go-to is Instagram. But a, a big keynote when I talk about social media is a few things. Some people don't, they forget to be social on social media, to actually yeah. interact, to actually kind of like be a brand and be a person and grow and network. But another thing that was very successful for me is having the podcast and not, a lot of people get the podcast and they go, I got to get this big name on. I got to get this, you know, I got to get Jerry Seinfeld. So millions of people will listen and they forget that they're going to have an hour conversation with Jerry Seinfeld and that Jerry Seinfeld is going to know who you are. Like they forget that side of things. And I think that's been the most important thing for me is like 
when I started doing the podcast more, I was having, I was having my friends on and it's maybe comedians that I been around for years, but never really sat down and had an hour conversation with or, or like you and me, like, I think this is the most in, in depth we've talked maybe ever really, Easy. you know, yeah. you, you know, but like we've known each other for a while and I feel comfortable around you. Yeah. And, uh, but it's like, that's how I was with my comic friends. And now it's like, I would have maybe some comic friend on and then we talk and we get to know each other, really understand each other. And then they're a month down the road booking a gig and they're like, Oh, you know, who'd be perfect for this gig would be Zach. And that got me just so much of like networking with my friends and being like, yeah, Zach would be perfect for this thing. And just kind of being out there more. And then also just picking their brain of what they do and being like, Oh, that's not a route I want to go. And so that the podcast alone has changed my life for sure. That's why I've been very lenient on what this podcast should be because right away I was like, Oh, it has to be super hyper niche coffee. It's gotta be all coffee all the (laughs) time. But then I'm like, how many episodes can you really do before one, I burn out on it and I go, okay, now we're talking about, what are we going to do? Talk about an hour long on anaerobic fermentation. You go, there's, there might be a group of people that are going to be very interested in that. But also at that point, I'm no longer the expert on that. And so I was like, I want to keep this super flexible for, so at the very least the conversations I'm having that I go, I'm taking things out of too selfishly that I go, these are people I'm interested in learning from. And what I've realized through this is that if it's something that I'm genuinely interested, someone I'm interested in talking to and learning from, it tends to translate more. And so it's it's, kind of like, I would rather do something that I'm interested in versus forcing it and having it turn into a thing that I hate doing. So like, it's, I mean, it's a Friday, it's a Friday night. It's like almost seven o'clock here in Minnesota. And I'm like, I'm here filming this because I I want to talk to you. And it was like, why not tonight? And I I didn't even think twice about it. Yeah, I I literally had a very similar conversation before I got on this call with you was I was talking about, uh, I've built my podcast up and then I've stopped doing it a few times, right? And it's uh, multiple times. I remember where I was like getting a bigger and bigger guest, right? So I'm all of a sudden, I'm like meeting these people that like I'm fans of. and And then you're like, how do I top that? I can't have my buddy Bob on after I just had this celebrity on, you know, like it was very like, uh, I was getting in my head about it. And then last year I started like, since I had so much free time, I just started like recording my friends and stuff. And then it like exploded on iTunes. And then I, and then I got like, Oh, the quality has to be perfect. And then I was only going to do it when I got my podcast studio and I was only going to do it, you know? So like I kept making these weird excuses of why people would want to listen or, or really my niche and all this, like I was getting in my head about it. And then lately, I, I had my friend Heather on the other day, um, and she talked about yoga because I had her on because my back was hurting from laying around so much and just be sitting so much from all of this that I was like, I should talk to someone that knows about stretching and knows about what I should be doing at home. And that tra- I felt like it translated so well because I was like, oh, it's not really... the my niche is like comedy and coffee and like, you know, those things about me and marketing and sure. Like, you know, those things, but you're, you might want to know what stretches you want to, you know, and you're really listening because of me and you like me. And so you're following me and it it, it just kind of branches out into, and, and, and I'm like, I feel more comfortable now where I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm going to just keep recording everyone I want to just talk to because I'm curious about that job or that person or what's on my mind. And it's it's going to grow. 
if I'm interested in it, someone else probably will be too. And if they're not, if they're not into that week's episode, then cool. Don't have to listen to it. The biggest surprise to me in doing this is so I decided to finally start doing the podcast when I was like, I want to do it. Uh, Mm -hmm. If I make it a format, because Jeff and I actually recorded an episode or two where it was both of us and we're like, Oh, it'll be the folly coffee. It'll be both of us every, and it just turned into like, Oh, this is more work because coordinating yeah. <laughs> with someone and trying to do weekly episodes like, oh, we're just creating more meetings and more things. Yeah. So I was like, well, I'll, I'll have it be me solo and then we'll have I can have guests on as I please. And I can hunt, I, can, I can jump back and forth from solo to guests. And it's very fluid. Yeah. And it, if I have an idea, I'm just like, oh, I can record this for an hour by myself. Or if it's like, hey, Zach, you want to jump on? Totally. Let's do that. Like next Tuesday, my sister's in uh, in, in uh, social media. And I want to start doing paid marketing. I've never done paid advertising on social media. And it's so change I wanted, your life. I, I wanted to pick her brain about it. And I was yeah. like, that, that's a great episode right there. And it, it, it's interesting because people are like down to podcast more than any other platform. I think that if you're yeah. like, Hey, can I pick your brain for an hour? They're like, screw you, dude. Like no. you, what do, you want my free, t-? but if you're like, Hey, will you come on my podcast for an hour to talk about if you, if you're like, can I get 15 minutes of your time? People are like, I don't have time for that. But if you're like, can I get you for an hour on here to talk about the thing you know the most about? They're like, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get to talk about me for an hour. Oh, and yeah. because it's like a thing where it's recorded naturally, they're like, I shouldn't be on my phone. I should be paying attention. I should be engaging. I know you have much more meaningful, engaging conversations 100%. Than you would if you just met up. And so 100%. It, I think, and this, obviously you've seen this through the growth of your podcast. I am shocked how much content people can, can take in in a week. Yeah. I was like, who the heck would ever listen to this? And then downloads started popping up and I'm like, whoa, okay. I don't have to be the podcast they listen to. I could be the 10th one they listen to, but people have more and more time. They're driving a lot, whatever. It's been, it's been really interesting. And seeing yeah. your podcast was one of the things where I'm like, you just got to do it, I think. Yeah. And that's like, uh, like I, had a, I had something great happen recently that I, I, I feel good about. Is like, I didn't know, because like, I'm not doing a lot right now, right? Why so not? Like, I, don't have, <laughs> like, you know, I don't have a lot of like things to talk about. But something that was on my mind was I've been doing this deep dive on Spotify and the future of Spotify for podcasting versus iTunes, right? Say that was because really good timing with the news that came in this week. Exactly, exactly. So I did this episode I'll, I'll like a week Joe ago. Joe Rogan getting $100 million, by the way. If you're listening, yeah. to this, you have no idea what I just read. Joe Rogan just got a $100 million deal to, by the end of the year, be exclusive on Spotify for his podcast. Yeah. So a week before that comes out, I did an episode about how I'm no longer, I don't care about iTunes anymore. I really don't. I don't care about it. I'm focusing on Spotify. And I did this whole episode about like, iTunes doesn't care about me. I was on the top of the charts. Now I'm not, it doesn't matter to me. It's fine. I'm going to just keep growing in my way. Right. So I'm doing this whole episode, just kind of talking about my thoughts and even just kind of talking through it with myself. Yeah. And, uh, and then uh, the Joe Rogan thing happens. And that day, I had so many listeners message me and be like, dude, you called it. You called. Yeah. And I'm like, I, it kind of like reminded me how close of attention people are paying where they're listening to the episode 
thinking about. It. And then when they hear that news, the first thing that goes, I got to tell Zach. Yeah. Like, well, I'm like, that's amazing. It's why I throw a lot of predictions out there. If I'm being completely transparent, <laughs> I throw a lot of, ag- I throw, I throw pretty aggressive predictions out there with coffee. The, my, most, my most notable one is what Folly is built on is that specialty coffee, there will be an explosion in the next eight years, just like craft beer. It, the trends are going to be remarkably similar. Craft beer drinkers are aging out of going out every weekend and crushing six packs every night. They're going, <laughs> they're going to have a void in their life where it's like they need something interesting and flavorful that's as engaging as craft beer. It's going to be coffee. I'm call, uh, I've been calling that. And so hopefully... <laughs> When coffee takes off like I think it will, they're like, oh, my God, this guy called it in 2019 pre-COVID. Done. Done. <laughs> that'll, be, that'll, be our, that'll be our adult life is pre and post-COVID. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, hopefully there's a post. Hopefully this isn't a season. Oh, no. <laughs> no that, that's interesting, though, because I think that's, that's what I've been trying to do more. Is as I, something comes on my radar, I'm like, I should talk about that. Because yeah. if it's coming up, if, if it's on my radar, but I'm actively seeking out these things, there's probably people out there that haven't even heard of this. Yeah. yeah what did, yeah. You, what did well, you find in your Spotify research? What was your most notable takeaway from your research of Spotify as a podcast platform versus iTunes? Uh, so when, I, when, when all this started happening in COVID, I like heavily leaned into the podcast and I was like, now I have time to run ads and I have time to grow the iTunes. And my whole focus at the beginning of COVID, if you ask me, I was like, I'm going to get back on top of the iTunes charts. Like, that was my only focus. I was like, if I can get back up there and I continue those numbers, it's going to be great, right? And I was doing, I was running ads and I was doing all this growth and I just wasn't seeing the traction as I was before. And I'm mm-hmm. like, could be COVID, could be many things, right? And then I started focusing on SoundCloud and I saw like a huge spike when I started doing SoundCloud. And I was like, that's great. Really? Mm-hmm. So I started SoundCloud. really- yeah, I got, uh, like, in one week, I got 30,000 extra plays just from focusing on SoundCloud, of just, like, really buckling down on it. Um, what? And then I was like, okay, so, like, I never seen, like, that. it didn't happen that instant with iTunes ever, you know what I mean? Where I was like, okay, maybe, maybe my thought process is a little wrong. So I started focusing on SoundCloud, and I was like, this is going great. I kind of understand it now. And then I was like, uh, uh. And then I started like focusing on, on Spotify because I was like, Spotify has like, you know, its own charts because I was like SoundCloud charts, right? Uh, SoundCloud has its own charts, not really be- built for podcasting, but Spotify has one built for podcasting. So I was like, okay, what about those charts? And I started like watching every video on YouTube that's like how to get your music at the top of the SoundCloud or uh, Spotify charts, you know? So it's like very music related videos and marketing. And I was like yeah. learning about how like podcasting is still like second it compared to music to them. And they don't yeah. really think about it the same. And so I was like doing all this research and um, I think that analytics are really rough with Spotify. I think they're not very helpful. I really uh, hate the fact that they will upload like the analytics for your music is like instant. Like you instantly know about that play or the follower or whatever, right? Uh, but for podcasts, they update every day at three PM. So they are like that that alone shows how much they care. Where it's yeah. like we're not even gonna use our same algorithm. You know? Uh, so like huh. uh, but the charts and like the growth and then uh, I'm glad I'm talking to you because you'll get this reference. I've been saying it to my friends lately, is uh, 
like how in coffee we talk about second wave and third wave coffee yeah. and we talk about that i think of podcasting as like second wave and now we're entering third wave i think of like second wave is like it's like every podcast we know where it's very interview they they do it on itunes it, it's just like every, every platform every podcast is on every you platform. see it you see it and then third wave if you go to youtube right now and you type in how to start a podcast which i did i was like let's start with the basics right yeah and then i was finding ones that were talking about spotify it's like younger groups of people and it's more like very much you can tell that they're like more on the trendy side than a lot of podcasters are yeah. and they're very much like uh more just more thoughtful of like uh fashion design and and, and like the looks of everything and so uh, all of them were just like so many of those videos weren't even mentioning the other platforms they're like yeah on spotify on spotify i get fifty thousand plays like you know they're just like they're like i don't even like they, they weren't even talking about it so when i realized that they weren't even having that conversation I was like, okay, there's more to this. And then I started talking to like my friends and family and kind of like picking their brain of like, where do they listen? What do they think of it? And I was like, am I late to this? Like, is this already been going on? And then as I've been talking to more podcasters, I realized that like listeners have noticed, but podcasters haven't noticed. And huh. uh, so that's when I started getting onto this like train thought of like, oh, I need to get onto like other people's playlists. I need to get like into the algorithm more. I need to like, I'm only sharing the uh, Spotify link. I don't even share the other links anymore. Like, if you want to listen to it, it has to be only Spotify. It's like what I'm doing. Like, I'm yeah. posting to all of them for people that are subscribed, but I'm not. I'm not sharing. And yeah, see, um, I was doing the, I was doing the iTunes yeah. link because I was just like this. It's it's interesting. I guess I don't really yeah. look at the analytics much because my approach to this podcast early on, especially, is I don't want to look at them too closely because yeah. I don't. Even if it's subconscious that you're like, oh, this type of episode gets more plays. Yes. I don't want when you're don't. super, super small. I think it's a bad thing. Mm -hmm. And you see this TikTok. This is huge. Okay, so the TikTok alg algorithm, I've done a deep dive into, and yeah. what I find some content creators getting caught with, especially early on, is it is not dependent on how many followers you have. They have an algorithm where the best type of video you can make is something that's like eight seconds long. It's all about how long in the video do they watch? How many times does it get replayed? And they actually have this thing where if somebody watches it and then rewatches it, that they, so let's say somebody watches it in its entirety twice. That's like a ratio of two. And yeah. so if your video, it gets pushed out initially to your followers and then to a few people. And if it gets a good above one, so people are watching it and watching a little bit more of it, they're watching it all the way through, they'll push it out to a slightly larger group of people to, until it gets to about 500 to 1,000 views. Then when it gets to that range, they put it in front of a physical person at TikTok and mm. they decide, do we want to push this out to the For You page, which is where something can really blow up. When they're pushing out, they're, they're using your hashtags uh, and so I found that more specialized hashtags to what you're actually making the content about is better. So mine are usually very coffee specific and the ones I've had two, I had one video get 160,000 views. I had another one get 200,000 views. Wow. The first one, the first one that went off was a one minute tutorial on how to make cold brew. And that one, 160,000 views, but probably more notably 25,000 likes. 
So people aren't just mm. watching it and it worked well with the algorithm. Cold brew is something a lot of people are interested in. They don't know how to make it at home. I also like threw like three shots at Starbucks at it th through the thing. So it kind of, <laughs> it had something that people wanted to comment on because yeah. a lot of people love Starbucks or hate Starbucks. So by doing a dig at Starbucks in the thing, a lot of people are like, no, that's how we make it at Starbucks. Screw you, man. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, and so that one was really highly engaged. The second one I had had way more views. It has like 210,000 views now. It was an eight second video about the bloom in coffee. That if mm. when you pour hot water on it, if it doesn't bloom, it's not fresh. I did not know that this was intriguing to a lot of people. It was eight seconds long, so people would watch it three or four times. And one thing I learned is that if you put a big group of text at the end of a video, but put it for a very short duration where you can't read the whole thing, it gets to the yeah. end. They didn't read the whole thing. So go, I'll watch this one more time and then pause it. So then it gets you almost all the way to a second view so that they stop and read it. And so that's what I did with the bloom one was if it's not fresh, it's not bloom. The whole text was like CO2 gets trapped into the beans and it gets released. And this is what causes this reaction. And it's like a whole paragraph. And so they okay. had to rewatch it and then pause at the end. But what I think that's happens smart. is sometimes that works. But I think when you get to the level where it's an actual person reviewing it, they know that. And they go, oh, the only reason this video has been popular is because it has a big group of texts at the end. And so, right. it, so that one had 200,000 views, but way less likes because most people were only rewatching it because it had that. Yeah. So it, it's an interesting platform, but w that really long response for what I, I find people getting <laughs> caught into is that if you have one video pop off, you go, oh, I have to have all my videos be like that. Yeah. And then you, you find creators having fun original content until they have one viral video. And then every video permanently is like that. But then they get stuck because they only have this one thing they're known for. And yeah. I, think of, I think of podcasting in kind of the same way that if, if you only cover topics that do well. or So let's say I have an episode about brewing coffee at home do really well, which one of them you know, it's really small views for me still, but that one did well. Yeah. I was like, okay, I need every episode to be about brewing coffee at home. Those yeah. episodes are, it's like going to get worse and worse and worse. You're like, okay, I don't need to know that. I just wanted to brew a little bit better cup of coffee at home. Yeah. And I, uh, uh, two things to add to that is, uh, that's how I felt when I was doing the 10 second jokes where I was yeah. very much like, I did a hundred of these. I, I did it. You know, like I was like, because people are like, bring it back. Like every once in a while, I'll get someone that's like, you should do it again. And I think about it with TikTok because I'm like, oh, this is like a new way of doing it. But I haven't really thought of how I would want to do it on TikTok. That would be different for me. And then the second thing I always keep in mind is there was a, uh, there was a science project. I'm probably going to butcher this because it's just a memory, really. But there was a science project about pigeons where uh, like when pigeons flap their wings, they yeah. then gave them a treat. And then they just kept doing that because they thought they're going to get a treat. And I think about that when I'm posting, I go, am I being a pigeon that's just flapping its wings? The Pavlovian response. So what they did is they randomly dropped a treat at okay. random, random intervals of time. And what they found over time is that if they just left those pigeons in those cages and dropped treats at random times, if you come back, at a later time, every pigeon will have a different thing they're doing. Mm. Why is that? Because they think 
they found a correlation that, it, oh, when I went in a circle, the thing dropped. So you'd come back and find one pigeon doing constant circles because they think that's what is causing the treat. Yeah. That's an amazing way to put social media because that 100% happened to me on TikTok, Instagram. These yeah. posts that do well, you go, oh, yeah. it must have been this. Well, how many and times I, have you, I, I don't know, like any social media, I pick any, where you see a, a clever video and you're like, that's great. And then you click on their page and you can see it's just that a thousand times in different, maybe maybe it's a, the same dance in like eight different outfits or whatever, but it's like, it's just, a, and I'm like, I never wanted it. Like I, I, did, I hated it when you looked at my Instagram and it was just all 10 second jokes all the way. I was like, cause then you're the 10 second joke guy. And it's, it, it's almost like uh it's like acting. If you have one character you do yeah, that you're like, that's your life. Now you're that character. Mm -hmm. and yeah. it's, and it, it's, it's tough to not want to do. I actually, at this point in time, I was like, I should do this for like a full year before even looking at analytics. Yeah. And I'll like, I'll glance at it every now and again to be like, is anyone watching this? Mm. <laughs> but I, I want to do this for a full year of just random experimentation, doing what I like to do, and then maybe take it more seriously at some point. But also with business, yeah. it's like, this is not my priority because it's falling. Whereas for you, yeah. the podcast is at this point during COVID closures is a, a big priority. Yeah. And, and the advice, the, the number one thing for any of this overall is like, you, you could, you could talk to a million people that promise you a million things of, they know the secret to any algorithm or whatever. And the only thing that matters is really consistency. Like, even yeah. if you just did this every, if you did this for a whole year and you're like, the episodes are all over the place, you're still, no matter what, you're going to see this crazy up climb because okay, no one else is continuing to do it. Yeah. You know, that's my, like, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing success with the podcast right now. That's great. But I know for a fact, I'm going to see a big, big, big success later when everything is, uh, when we're all, when all this is over at some point and we're all kind of getting back to whatever normal is and when everyone's still, when they're doing that and then they go, oh, Zach's still making the podcast. Like all those other people that, cause there was like last month, 82,000 new podcasts last month. <laughs> so it's like, like everyone's making content right now, but it's, I, that I think is the, interesting. Consistency. <laughs> it's just to keep running after all this when you, everything is, and you're like another episode. He's still doing it. Like it's just gonna keep taking people in and just. I get. I gave someone growing. who owns a local co-working space, and obviously they're struggling because people are like, I don't want to go anywhere public. I go, you need to turn one of your offices into a podcasting studio. I go, you could spend five hundred dollars. Yeah, it would be good enough equipment that it would be far better than what they're doing at home and charge a premium price per hour. I was like that. And I think she's actually going to do it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I have a podcast office and I rent it out to my friends and I rent it out for like nothing, but you'd be surprised how many friends of a friends or whatever, like kind of hit me up before all this happened. will yeah. hit me up and be like, yeah, like, like for an hour, could I just borrow it for like an hour? And I'll be like, yeah, you know, like it's very, it, it, 
I think if you have a space like that, totally. <laughs> I know. And that's where I get itchy where I'm like, gosh, I start that business right now. And that seems like something that could totally be striking gold. I'm like, oh, yeah, cause continue to try to you need it. more things in your life. It sounds yeah, like, yeah, totally. Yeah, definitely. I'm not, <laughs> definitely not busy for sure. Uh, man, we've been going at it for well over an hour now. Uh, and okay. I actually, somebody just texted me that luckily they're running late. Uh, but they're on their way over and we're going to do a little jam session. So I should probably That's great, man. do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude. Awesome. Uh, to talk with you. There's so such a big range of topics. <laughs> I, I guess for you, you're, you're lucky you have the podcast and these different channels. Cause I'm sure there's a lot of stand-up comedians that have to be out there. Like, how do I do this video stuff? How, should yeah. I do a podcast? And 82,000 podcasts started in the last month. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Man, maybe I should do, hmm. I don't know. That's crazy, man. All right. <laughs> I'm going to let you go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit stop recording now to okay. see what happens, and then I'm going to end it. Okay. I'm going to, okay, I'm going to hit.